Welcome to the latest Spotlight on IRT podcast, where our experts talk about best practices in the field of clinical development and innovations to improve today's clinical trials. This podcast is brought to you by Almac Clinical Technologies, the leader in interactive response technology. For more information, visit www.almacgroup.com. And now, here's your host, Matt Lowry. Hello and welcome to the Spotlight on IRT podcast. I'm Matt Lowry, and today we're going to be talking about drug supply and management. Data integrity, accountability, and reconciliation are three key points that need to be taken into consideration on every clinical trial. This is especially important when we start to discuss drug supply. I hear quite a few questions about this topic on a regular basis, if it really is important, and what type of monitoring really is needed. I'm not an expert in this area, so I decided to ask a few people who are. I reached out to Maria Watson, a former study coordinator and current project manager, Theodora Sarver, a product manager who specializes in drug accountability and reconciliation, and Claire Rivera, a former research coordinator and current process manager who specializes in coordinating supply chain. Welcome to the Spotlight on IRT podcast, and I want to begin with a pretty straightforward question. Why do we need this? Why is keeping accountability of the drug important? Why not just let it say that it's been shipped and go from there? So it's important for the site to show proof in writing, um, using their regulatory files, displaying evidence, um, you know, the activity, you know, what was performed, what actually happened. They need to tell a full story, show what occurred, whether planned or unplanned activity, when it happened, who was involved in each step. When we talk about those Alcoa principles for data integrity, who's been accountable, who's been involved? Where does that come in, though, to an IRT system? Wouldn't we have just the receipt there? Before we go to the IRT system, I'd like to um, reference the regulations a little bit because, uh, above all, it's the law. Good clinical practices and good manufacturing practices require us to track investigational product for all subjects participating in the trial in order to assure that this this product has been administered appropriately according to protocol and only to subjects participating in the trial. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the trial, this investigational product, whether it's been used, unused, damaged, or expired, needs to be tracked and accounted for so that we know that it hasn't been uh, an unauthorized distribution mm-hmm. or use of that product. That said, going to the, your question about the IRT system, since the IRT system tracks supplies from the release all the way to destruction, it is important that it tracks every changes, every location, every custody change over any IP that is participating in this protocol from release all the way to destruction so that the system is compliant with regulation. One thing that's important to remember when discussing IRT is that unlike other electronic systems involved in clinical trials, IRT is the source for all data that is impacted by the medication dispensation and tracking from patient back to depot and so forth. And in clinical trials, if something isn't documented, essentially it didn't happen when you go to get your drug approved with the FDA. So being very clear that the IRT is retaining your source information for this trial, as opposed to taking data after the fact and recording from another source document is critical. Takes us back then, 
we're going to track our drug. What's the best way to track that? Is it really dependent upon the trial? Is it dependent upon track it by the kit, by the shipment? What, what's been your experience? The shippable unit is important with anything related to the shipping and the registration of the shipment in the IRT. Once you get to patient dispensation, the assignable unit becomes more critical. Can you, mean, can you kind of explain what that means? Sure. If you have a kit that has three bottles in it, but the patient is only going to be dispensed one bottle at a time, the shippable unit is the three-by kit, but the dispensable or assignable unit is the bottle. So having a clear understanding of what you're tracking and when and why that's important is critical. What happens then at the site? Site gets that three bottles coming to a site. What's that look like? So the drugs received on site and the study coordinator verifies that shipment. And in some cases, the drug might be required to be signed to confirm receipt. And then they need to confirm that it's been received intact and undamaged. And then they need to confirm how is it stored. So not only are they going to then decide where is it being stored? Is it going in the refrigerator? Is it being stored in you know a special room? So they have to properly document that the drug is received intact and undamaged in their regulatory inventory log and that the drug acknowledgement confirmation is also filed in that regulatory log. And then depending on how the drug is required to be stored, it may need to be kept in specific storage conditions, room temp versus cold storage. It could be kept in a room until the staff has time to verify the shipment because they could be they could have 50 patients on site they could have 25 studies, they could have 100 studies going on. You know, it really depends on the day of the week when the shipment's coming in. So there's, it's really important that they're tracking everything. And it's why real-time reports are really, really important because that tracking number going into that system, as soon as that order's been placed, and that monitor being able to provide that to the site, they can ensure that they know when that's going to be there so that they can prepare to take that shipment, be there, and get it into the proper storage conditions and they're not it's not waiting in a room especially if it is cold storage when they have a hundred patients and it doesn't get ruined the drug because if it's sitting in a hot room with files and not being placed in the right storage conditions for 10 hours or sitting in a hallway where it's been signed by a receptionist that's how drug gets damaged so it's really important to have those real-time reports there's a lot of things that some IRT companies don't take into consideration and they don't realize that that patient at the end having those real-time reports is so important that and that study coordinator is looking for that information and they're planning their whole day around just that tracking number for that shipment to come in to get that information into their regulatory binder get the shipment call into the IRT system or log into the IRT system get the information in, file everything, get the drug put where it needs to be, and then go about their day. And then the shipment's been taken care of, the drug's put where it needs to be, and then when they call in for the visit for the patient, there's no worries. Their drug's been acknowledged, and they can get the right assignment for the subject. And there's no issues with assigning drugs, because a lot of times when they have trouble assigning drugs, because they didn't acknowledge the shipment. It's one of the things when you go to an investigator meeting that... Um, the people at the IRT, they stress how important it is to acknowledge your drug and to make sure that you're properly storing it because it's one of the main reasons that they have an error when they go to randomize a subject or assign medication to a subject because they didn't acknowledge the drug or they didn't properly store the drug and they put the temp easy in and the drug was damaged. And it's a big, it's a really big deal. And as Maria mentioned, Temperature monitoring and temperature sensitivity can vary across trials. Mm -hmm. um, 
no site wants to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. The site staff care about their patients. They care about having good data and accurate data. So having the technology in place to be able to enable mm -hmm. real-time tracking so that it's not forgotten about and it's not the end of the week you're trying to reconcile what came in the door and what went out with patients. If you can have a, an ability to do that in real time, it helps the site staff because like Maria said, oftentimes at some of the busier locations, there's multiple clinical trials going on across sometimes multiple indications. So having the ability to be automatic with your actions and very deliberate with your actions is key. The difference between keeping a paper checkbook versus using an online banking statement. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. That's exactly right. And they're doing both. They have to keep a paper trail and they also have to go into a, a web system or sometimes they're calling in because they can't get to that system. So they're calling in and using the actual IVRS system because it's just easier sometimes if they have a patient in front of them, but they have to get that shipment acknowledged as well. And they're also maybe taking blood at the same time. You very good multitaskers, the study coordinators are. Okay. It's really important. It's a paper trail and it's because it's a legal thing. Source, their source document is the legal thing. They have to keep that regulatory binder is a paper thing. They have to file everything by hand and then they have to put everything into the IRT system as well. Their source documents aren't just the IRT system. They have a paper source document as well in their regulatory binder. Now, their monitor may put that information into another web system when they come in to audit at their site, but they have to keep everything in an from actual regulatory paper binder. Yep, from a shipment perspective, that's absolutely true. Once you get to the point of patient dispensation, that source data is in the IRT, though, correct? Mm -hmm. right? Yes, yeah. And they'll also have a paper source patient file, just like when you go to your doctor's office. Now everything usually is, students walking in with their little mini laptops. Sometimes they even have like iPads, doctors. When you're at a, an investigative site, they'll have little laptops as well. But a lot of times they're preparing with a paper source document as well because you have all your lab work. Everything is paper as well. So they have to have something to file all of that. And usually they're submitting things in. If there's a data correction, they have to fax it in or they have to scan it in. So they have to have some type of paper record as well. So it's important that you are able to keep something to file papers in. And then, you know, you put everything into the web-based system as well. How can, however, everything track in one electronic solution? I would say it's the most efficient. Absolutely. And, and least the error Absolutely. method. Absolutely. Um, we often see in practice, um, like you said, Maria, uh, sites use both the, the IRT system and the EBC system mm -hmm. uh, to capture some of this uh, chain of custody records, let's say. Um, they also use paper. But the, because all systems, or some of the systems, especially the IRT, uh, needs and uh, uses mm -hmm. data and information that may be captured in other systems, that uh, forces users to transcribe information from one to the other, uh, oftentimes fast and much later um, than when the actual event took place. Mm -hmm. And that leads to a lot of discrepancies, a lot of transcription errors. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, that is why it is very important to use one system and the mm -hmm. source system. Mm -hmm. um, in a, when the system is electronic, like IoT systems are, um, and when they are designed such that 
they can detect errors, they mm -hmm. can have validations mm -hmm. about the entry point that a user has, uh, then you can minimize uh, user errors, uh, you can uh, minimize uh, gaps mm -hmm. and omissions that sites may do mm -hmm. because they're rushing, because they're mm -hmm. really looking to tend to their patients, mm -hmm. and um, then um, avoid uh, accountability and reconciliation mm -hmm. errors that um, uh, come up downstream. So really getting greater compliance to what they're doing upfront by using a really helps to track it. Now, one thing that I wanted to kind of talk about too is sometimes in the clinical trial world, it has to go between depots, mm -hmm. between storage sites. Does this also affect then the shipments between those storage sites, moving it from one place to another? I know some countries have strict uh, entry exit for, for clinical trial drugs, so you put it there for a trial so it's strategically placed. Is accountability also equally important there, or can we kind of take a backseat? It's equally important because, again, regulations require that you track medication from creation to destruction. So you can't just leave it there once you send it to sites, and you still need to know what happened to mm -hmm. it, especially even more so if it is a, a controlled substance. Mm -hmm. Then you have a lot more rigor mm -hmm. in place. Uh, but let's talk about conventional for now. Uh, there are import laws. That determine uh, what uh, type of uh, that determines that a sponsor need to file and obtain a license mm -hmm. in order to export from a specific manufacturing depot to other distribution depots to other countries. Once they obtain this license, that's license to ship to a depot and then distribute to site. Doesn't necessarily mean that then you can return back across the borders to, to the country of origin. So you need to obtain a separate license. Uh, for returns mm -hmm. to, uh, across the border. Uh, that's why we see sometimes, because there are variations in country regulations mm -hmm. and laws, we see sometimes sponsors deciding to destroy the drug locally yeah. rather than uh, ship it back to them across the borders. Um, and some other prefer to consolidate uh, a depots if the countries, the regional depots, the laws are more streamlined or easier to consolidate drug there. Uh, for example, the European Union has a unified uh, policy about return drugs, so it's easier to return within, uh, from countries of the European Union to a centralized location. But in Latin America, for example, each country has its own uh, variation, uh, so you cannot really centralize and return to one depot. So a lot of sponsors there prefer to destroy locally. Tracking also begins, like you said, with regulations that that impact the attributes of the lot to begin with. So if you have a country that says, you know, for a biologic, for example, if you have a vaccine trial, mm -hmm. you might get different retest stability allowances based on the country that you're shipping into. So having all the information retains in the IRT also helps with supply planning before you even get to the point of returns. So I think that it's important to realize that it's the entire life cycle of the drug from the time it's being packaged. I mean, the temperature data can be cumulative over the course of that, that pill, of that bottle, of that vial. So having everything centralized in the IRT enables the supply chain teams at the sponsor company to better monitor their supply and meet patient needs because that's ultimately the end result. Your end users really, this tracking of the shipments are not only your sites, but also the sponsor end and the depot end. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone right. really needs to know where this is at all times. Mm -hmm. Correct. 
We mentioned earlier controlled substances. This mm -hmm. really seems like it's a must for controlled substances. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so for the controlled substances, we need to track uh, at every point in time the narcotic uh, count at every location, mm -hmm. the depot location, at the site location, and we also track by a primary investigator because mm -hmm. each of these entities, including the investigator, are licensed to a certain maximum amount of controlled yeah. substance. So if I'm licensed to to have in my possession, under my care, let's say, uh, X number of milligrams mm -hmm. of narcotic uh, per month or per year, per month usually, mm -hmm. um, I cannot exceed that as an investigator. And uh, they, um, therefore, uh, we need to provide uh, reports and count, cumulative counts yeah. per location. So if you, if your next shipment is going to exceed that yeah. count, you cannot have that shipment shipped. Yeah, so for example, if they're returning drugs, you have to count the number of returns and you have to blog that in your regulatory binder. And you also have the number of pills that are in the bottles that are on your shelf. And then you're tracking that with what's coming in, what you need on shelf for the patients that are coming in, they're projecting for as well. Because you can only have a certain number per. So incoming yeah. and outgoing yeah. add up together with the maximum allowable narcotic that you can have at this particular site. So and that's per you can, protocol. Right. Yes, exactly. Protocol. So, so if you have multiple protocols, right. you can't switch yeah. between protocols. There's been questions in the past. It's the exact same bottle, it's the exact same drug. Why can't I dispense it to exactly. a patient in this other trial run by the same sponsor? But the DEA ramifications of that are yeah. critical, and a lot of times people aren't aware. Yeah. Sorry, no, I was basically going to say the same exact thing. And you're, you actually, if I remember correctly, I think you actually have to submit to the IRB and a okay. little bit more often. Where I think it's usually every three months you submit to the IRB all your records. And I think you submit more often when it's a, a narcotic. And the depot also has a legal responsibility for when they're shipping. So the depot keeps track mm -hmm. of how much drug is going to each site. So if you're switching between sites, which is mm -hmm. a question that we get in yeah. the IRT world, can we move this to a different site? Yeah. Can we move this to a different protocol? And I mean, yeah. despite the, the labeling issues, but, apply, yeah. yes. So it's very important to keep that in mind. And some, some um, I know we were at my, my, where I used to work, we were site A and we had a sub site. So, yeah. so we weren't allowed to do any studies that were controlled substances as a site A and a sub site, sub site B. Because you sometimes you could, and you normally you weren't allowed to switch drug off to a site B. So because of that. So no site to site transfer for mm -hmm. the control. Between now you, you brought up drug pooling, mm -hmm. right? And I just, I just to kind of clarify, we're talking when we have a series of protocols or clinical trials that are all pulling from one main supply of drug. Mm -hmm. Does accountability and that kind of tracking still work the same way then for that too? Just pulling from that main pile? You need an even more robust IRT system to be able to track what drug is being dispensed when and to whom, not only for accountability and tracking purposes mm -hmm. when you're going to reconcile, but also to make sure that you have enough drug on the shelf to meet your statistical needs for the study because you wouldn't want more patients enrolling than expected yeah. in one of the protocols. So being able to watch your IRT for what's being dispensed and to, to which study also helps with maintaining statistical significance, really. Yeah, metrics and your reports mm -hmm. and projections are really important for those drug pooling studies. What are some of the challenges that you three, you, you're the experts here, what are some of the challenges that you've seen on the clinical trials that you've seen our clients have with that? 
keeping adequate records. Non-numbered studies, open label, they don't keep their pulling drug off shelf and it's time for reconciliation at the end. So even for an open label or non-numbered where it's just like pills coming out of a... Basically, yeah. There still needs yeah. to be that accountability. Mm-hmm. They just, that. And you, because you know that if you don't do what you can, other than getting on a plane and flying to each site individually <laughs> to help them, asking, you know, well, how many vials, say, say it's a vial study, were assigned to this subject at this visit, and say where how many were, let's say, know what was sent each shipment, and then try to reconcile with them and work with each individual site because the reports and their regulatory binder and each drug order form have to match up at the end. Like everything has to match at the end in order for them to have true accountability and reconciliation, especially if they consider everything in the IRT to be source documentation. So it's like they're submitting. So if they want true reconciliation, you have to help them. And you do what you have to do. So if it's late nights, working with each site, put some kind of template together and go through each drug order form and say, okay, what was each subject dispensed at this visit? What were they? And work with them. Tedious and it's painful, but you do what you have to do because it's for a subject. And especially if it's for a really good indication and a really good drug, you're going to help them out. And a good customer experience. You want to provide excellent customer service. That's what you do. Patient safety is also critical when you're talking about accountability and reconciliation tracking because if there is a recall of a certain lot of supplies, you need to know in an urgent situation what patients have received that drug. If they still have it in their possession, you need to be able to contact them quickly. Not to mention everything else that the sponsor company and the CRO are doing to mitigate any repercussions of that recall. So having an IRT that's robust makes all the difference because that's one less thing you have to worry about. You already have the data in a very clear way. Going back to your uh, question about why is it so important to track it, what are the challenges uh, at the site? Um, like Maria said, inadequate records. This is the primary uh, reason for FDA for a release at the site. Yes inadequate records uh, for various reasons, uh, none of it of which is malicious, uh, time, uh, the, the disparate systems where things are being tracked, uh, and then uh, reconciling everything, having the CRA come to site and explaining all the discrepancies and figuring mm-hmm. out why this belongs there and not here. Um, this takes such a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reconciliation and closeout phase at sites may span anywhere from six months yes. to two years. That brings a tremendous cost and delays mm-hmm. the trial. Um, missed opportunity from the drug not being to market sooner. Yeah. Um, and uh, not only that, it's not just a site problem. When all these supplies are returned uh, to depots, the depots are obliged. Are, are, are uh, bound by you know, good manufacturing practices. Mm-hmm. They have to um, demonstrate tracking of the supplies mm-hmm. from release to destruction or from whenever they uh, took custody of the supplies to destruction. So if they receive um, records that are incomplete from sites and they find discrepancies, they have to resolve it. They have to contact the site and do root cause analysis mm-hmm. to figure out what happened, how to close those gaps, um, and that is also uh, costly. So the depot closeout phase is also 
um, extended and that uh, raises the cost in yeah. the delays. Uh, so it's not, it may not be, when you're at the closeout phase and you're returning and restoring drug, it may not be a patient safety issue at that point. So the importance may be secondary, mm. but from a regulatory point of view, mm. it is important because in the end, if you demonstrate that you can track your supplies from beginning to the end, you don't raise doubt and questions of how your trial has been conducted. Right. Well, yeah, because like Theodora said, if you're practicing all these good clinical practices, they're not, that doubt goes away. And they're not going to question if you've had a protocol deviation. And they're not going to question, did you follow the dose regimen? Because if you're, if you're not accounting, they're going to question if you dose the patients right. And that's when they get into the patient it safety. opens everything up for Exactly. Quality exactly. is a habit. You yeah. get into the habit of doing quality work in everything you do. And if you do it throughout the trial, mm -hmm. then that is easier mm -hmm. to demonstrate. And if your sponsor comes in and they're questioning what you did, they'll, they're, they won't think twice about calling the FDA on you. And that's when you're going to get, open yourself up for the 483. The experts here. You, you've all had the opportunity to work with multitude of clients of different sizes, varying. Do you see a difference in the way that a large pharma company would handle this versus a small two-person biotech? Is there, are there different approaches to this, or is this really more of a one-size-fits-all approach? I would say the approach um, should be the same. Um, you need to track uh, all your supplies. You need to track all the clinical events of the patient and then and combine these two together to get the full picture of how the trial was mm -hmm. conducted. Um, you, uh, if you are a, um, a large company, perhaps with a very large budget, you can afford uh, to have um, perhaps a subcontract, some components, or you can afford to have perhaps some inefficiency in your process. If you're a smaller biotech with a very uh, tight budget, you need a system, a robust system, that can do this tracking for you, mm -hmm. consolidate your data, provide the reports where you can monitor and assess the status of your trial in real time. Mm -hmm. um, so um, the, what you need to do is uh, the same. How you go about doing it may differ right. uh, depending on your budget and your uh, company's needs. Mm -hmm. You talked a little bit about robust systems, different systems managing different things. Is there a difference then, or is there any advantages, disadvantages between tracking this type of thing in an IRT versus an EDC system? To, yeah, to me, it's a no-brainer to use the IRT. Right, and why is that? EDC systems just don't have the same capabilities as the IRT. And they're so, built for a different purpose. Exactly. They're not built for the same things. Your IRT system is going to provide metrics, better me provide metrics. They're going to project, give you projections. Your EDC system is, they're inputting data in there. It's the case report form, basically. You're getting data from other things, maybe your EKG system, your spirometry for your breathing tests. Trying to think of other things from other labs. Exactly, imaging. all your labs, your imaging, all right. that stuff. So your lab values there. go in there. Right. And, your IXRS stuff's coming in there as well. Your IRT stuff's coming in there. Your IRT system is getting data from those systems as well, but we're just a little bit more robust IRT system and our capabilities and functionality, like Theodore said, is just different. So to me, it's a no-brainer to use that. Okay. Use it in conjunction 
but you use that absolutely. When you think of drugs, when you think of inventory, you think IRT. You you think IRT because IRT is the digital representation of your supply. Mm-hmm. It just like the ERP system that is used in the manufacturing is going mm-hmm. to track what the physical attributes of every step along the way were of that drug. When you get to the finished good level, when you get to what is going to be dispensed to patients, that is represented in the IRT. And so tracking what happened to that digital representation of the drug consistently is critical to maintaining that data integrity and to have that closed end Mm -hmm. visual from the point of manufacturing through dispensation through returns into structure. EDC isn't designed with the same intention of capturing that digital inventory and and utilizing the technology to make sure that patients receive their drug and the dose that they were required to be taking per the protocol. Does that answer your question? Mark? Yeah, I think it does. It makes it pretty clear, at least a little clearer for me as far as what we're doing. When we talk about then the end, reconciliation, we touched that the depot is getting these drugs back. They're responsible for the reconciliation. And that's all coming from the site. At what point should that really be done? Is that done at the very end of the trial? Or should that be done throughout her throughout. shipment? What does that look like as far as how the system and how it should be used and, and how this should really be implemented? Because we know we have to have accountability from the very beginning mm-hmm. to the point of suspense. We know we have to be able to track it from when it first leaves the manufacturing site to the depot to the next depot to wherever it goes to the site. And if it needs to go between sites, we have to have all that tracking in. That's continuous. Mm-hmm. But that reconciliation piece... Mm-hmm. What's the frequency look like in that? It's throughout. It should happen throughout. Yeah. Because if there are any discrepancies, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's much easier to resolve them mm-hmm. when everybody's memory is uh, fresh yes. with the event. All the um, and uh, you can um, immediately uh, attend an issue. Now, mm-hmm. even more so, if there is a, a, a habitual discrepancy yes. that happen out of bad habits, out of the poor training, um, then you have a better chance of catching something early and correcting yes. that mistake or yes. bad habits at the site, mm-hmm. perhaps introduce some reframing, some remediation, mm-hmm. um, so that uh, bad habits don't propagate for months and then prolong your close-out phase. Yeah. Also, you have more time at the site. You know, When I worked at the site, it was helpful for me to do things in the time frame that made sense. So when a patient returned the drug, that would be the ideal time for me to send it back. But a lot of times you don't even, you're not really even trained on that until towards the end of the trial, just because of the way that clinical trials used to be run. We're in a different era now. We're in an era of so much being digitally captured, um, which really enhances efficiencies. But Mm -hmm. it also, I think part of the reason why we see errors at the end of the study is because you're trying to do everything at once to close it out. There's an urgency to close it out from a cost perspective because Space. every day the trial is open. And that's the other thing I was going to say, Maria, you're exactly right. It, you know, we're talking about studies, you know, 10 and 12 studies at a larger clinical site. I don't want used kits on my shelves. Right. That just makes it that much harder for me to store the new shipment yeah. of kits that are right. coming in the door that I need to get to patients. So I think that everything you said is absolutely right, Theodora. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to do it in real time. It, it allows for better quality. Mm-hmm. And it also just makes sense from a workflow perspective. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Maria? Real time. Every, when you do something in real time and you're documenting in real time, 
it's a, it's a, a real-time picture and you're taking real-time records and your wallet's in your memory and you're taking the notes and you're putting everything in the system, you're creating an audit trail of that record so that when you go back and you're reading what you did, you remember, oh, I did do that, and you have that record. If you try to think back what you did, but you didn't actually put it in the system, but you packed everything away, you're not going to remember. You didn't actually document it somewhere. And you're doing an investigation after the fact. You don't, no one remembers. And then that's when mistakes are made. Things are forgotten. You might find that drug 20 years from now. So it's real time is always best. And that's why it's always good to do it throughout. You're verifying that the product labels match up with everything. That's really important. You're protecting the blind that way. What do you mean by the product label? So the label on the kit? Everything matches. Everything. It's very important. What the system expects you to do, what the system assigns to the patient needs to be what's on the label um, that of the drug that you're dispensing to the patient, and then a side. And what you're re- what you're returning, you know, matches Again, the back they're printing matches. out to return back to the depot for destruction. Everything must. Oh, maybe you're expert updating at the site. Everything matches. That's very important with that label. It's important, like I said, for the blind, for matching your documents. Everything's just important when you do it in real time. Now, with the uh, well-designed electronic IRP system, a lot of this burden could be taken on by the system itself mm-hmm. and by technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, technology is much better usually at doing tedious tasks than mm-hmm. humans uh, that may be tiring, uh, mm-hmm. in a rush. Uh, so the system, an IRP system in particular, knows what needs to be given to a patient mm-hmm. at a specific visit. The barcode scanner, mm-hmm. you scan that kit and you scan the patient label and you dispense it. The system can immediately tell you if you picked up the wrong kit off the mm-hmm. shelf or if you've given it to the wrong person. You can be half asleep <laughs> and dispense to mm-hmm. the patient with the right system. Uh, mm-hmm. So it is uh, important uh, to have uh, the right technology backing up such mm-hmm. an important operation. Mm-hmm. What specifics do you want to look for in the technology portion? Do you want to look for something that has ability type of analytics or those reports? Exactly. Yeah. You need to have, the system needs to be able to do validations, mm-hmm. to, to make checks so that it can prevent errors from happening. It should not, a good IRP system should not allow a user to proceed uh, making a mistake. Uh, it should prevent mistakes as much as possible. Data entry errors. Um, uh, misdispensations, wrong counts, things like that can easily be preventable because the computer can add this apart easily and verify allocation easily. Um, Then beyond that, um, accuracy of records, completion of records, all this can be done. And uh, providing in the end the history um, is, uh, is also a very important thing because in the end, um, the, the sponsors and the sites are responsible for what they capture. Mm-hmm. And they are obliged to present the data they capture to auditors and inspectors, either internal or um, from a government agency or mm-hmm. from the sponsor. So you need to have uh, the ability to show the history of events, uh, the history of supplies, uh, and the patient histories. So do you find then that when you have this type of system in place, 
there's there's reports. Do you find that in your experiences you have the site level staff or the sponsor level staff reviewing those reports continuously for compliance to make sure that everybody's doing what they need to be doing? Is that on a depot level? Should be at the site level, at the depot level, and at the sponsor level, honestly. And again, it's a great opportunity to leverage the computer mm -hmm. uh, where you don't need to go through um, countless records, electronic records of something. Uh, you can have the computer do that for you and say, here at this site, I have, let's say, 200 kids in mm -hmm. my inventory. Of those, 73% have been accounted for and are waiting the consideration. So a CNA can go and check and say, you know what, it's time for me to go pay the site visit yeah. at this place. They, it used to be that reconciliation was done. They used to monitor. Well, they used to come probably like once a month. Mm -hmm. And they would paper CRFs, you know, they would pull the, the, the carbon paper, you know, and then they would physically look at all that. They come less often, but they can do real-time monitoring in a computer system now. And then they can spend more time when they do come on site to do that physical monitoring. Because when they were there, they were looking at paper-based you know, case report forms going through with their eyes making sure they didn't make any mistakes and they weren't spending as much time looking at the actual physical drugs. When they do come on site, they can spend more time looking at the physical drug and looking at those inventory logs. And then they can spend the rest of the time looking at online at the patient records. So you're able to actually give a good inventory inspection when you're on site and it's, it's, it's a better quality check when you're doing that because you've already gone online and done that check and then you're doing a physical check and there's more value involved there. And you devote yeah. all your time at the site looking into the things that you're not doing obviously. Exactly. But they need your business. It's more there's more value there. now. Yes. You know. The question I have is this. When you have a human interacting on a trial, there's always potential for things to go wrong. <laughs> How do you handle then with this type of accountability and this reconciliation when you have a subject say, I threw it away, I didn't bring it back. Is that is does a system allow for that? Well, yes, under certain circumstances. Um, a, a good IRP system should allow for corrections and should have an enough uh, sufficient support elements in there uh, for somebody to go and correct the record and capture that in the audit trail. You know, you make mm -hmm. a change in the source document, uh, you need to explain uh, why you did that, uh, who it was done by, and, uh, and when. Um, and uh, then, um, so who it was done by. That's an important uh, thing. A good system may not allow for everybody mm -hmm. to go in there and make changes mm -hmm. to source document. Maybe you're saving this functionality uh, for somebody who's authorized or experienced in doing something, perhaps a, a, a supply chain manager or a CRA manager. Uh, something like that. Um, you are uh, controlling access and, and uh, giving specific access to specific people uh, minimizes your risk of uh, errors of um, unauthorized uh, treatment of source documents, source records. Establish then that everything needs to be done, whether it's a large pharma with 20,000 people or if it's a small five-person virtual company. 
is this really then a one-size-fits-all option? Is this an option where you do what you do and that's it? Or is there room here for customizations and configurations to what you're actually doing? The need to accurately track is the must. But equally important is the need to have configurability in the system that you're using, in the IRT that you're using, to account for differences in packaging design, for example, differences in the regulations around the drug, whether it's at the country level or it's at the controlled drug level from a DEA point of view. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Yeah, for example, um, if you're not allowed to destroy um, at the specific, to, to, to return at the specific country, but you have to destroy locally, this may vary among sites uh, across, across the globe. So you can uh, not choose uh, a system that only allows you to destroy at central vehicles. Uh, so you need that variability at the site level. Also, uh, sometimes what you destroy locally and what you return may differ. Uh, for example, um, in an infusion study, uh, usually chemo agents are toxic. Uh, a country may not allow you to uh, ship, um, use the vials across the border, so you may need to destroy them locally at the site. But anything that has been unused, it can be returned to a regional depot. This may vary by regions. Europe may be different than North America and um, Asia Pacific. So all, you need a system that allows you to have those kind of configurations um, so that your trial can be conducted properly without you having to compromise or improvise with workarounds for different regions. And similarly, if your packaging design, if as a sponsor you select a vendor, and you like how this vendor responds to the trial, and you want to use the IRT system, it shouldn't matter if you're having a vial for one protocol or a booster pack for the other. You should be able to do, to do accountability and introduce variations around accountability uh, depending on your uh, packaging design. You may choose to count at the pill level with a booster pack or a bottle, but the vial, there's nothing to count. You say, I just used it or I don't use it. Uh, so it's a different configuration there. And the system, a good system should allow you to do that. So the system should really be agnostic to the design of the packaging. Exactly. And if you're looking at a blister pack as one treatment type on the clinical trial versus a inhaler versus an injectable, it shouldn't matter to the system which way the patient's being dosed as long as that's accounted for and reconciled and destroyed and marked accordingly. Am I exactly. understanding that right? Yes. Thanks again to everyone for the information. A couple of takeaways that I have from today's conversation is that consistent monitoring throughout the entire life of a trial is a must. It's not just depot to site we need to worry about, but site to depot, site to site, depot to depot, whatever the case may be, there's going to be increased scrutiny on these topics. On a clinical trial, we need to remain vigilant and have the information available at all times to determine exactly what is going on. The expectation is that this helps to demonstrate oversight. It's funny, there's that word again. It also helps to demonstrate accountability during the trial. Ultimately, the goal is to have a successful trial. If you're interested in more on this topic, head over to Alma Clinical University where we have more information and some takeaways on how to implement these processes successfully. 
Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Matt Lowry, and this is the Spotlight on IRT podcast. You've been listening to the Spotlight on IRT podcast, brought to you by Almac Clinical Technologies. If you have a question for our host or would like to suggest a topic for our next podcast, please visit our podcast page on Almac Clinical University at university.almacgroup.com.